Hello, welcome to the Dentist Pocket Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Harry Singh, helping you grow your facial text business. I've got a very um, interesting person we're interviewing today, someone I've known for a number of years that trusted us, BTC, with our education, and she's flourished, and I know she's not a KOL, but she's like a KOL in the hygiene world <laughs> of facial aesthetics. So Lindsay, who's a dental therapist and facial aesthetician, and the first hygienist in the UK definitely to have passed a level seven diploma. That obviously gives away your age, Lindsay. Thanks. <laughs> so welcome to the podcast, Lindsay. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem. So um, if anyone doesn't know who you are, um, don't know why they wouldn't, because you're basically at every, <laughs> not at, actually causes more the evening with dinner and drinks. That's where I see you most on social media. Love a party, love a party. <laughs> so if you want to introduce yourself, your background, what you're currently doing or going to be doing in the future, the floor is yours. Thanks. Um, so yeah, I... I'm a therapist. I qualified um, in 2017 from Barts um, and Queen Mary University. And I kind of, before I qualified, knew I wanted to get into facial aesthetics. So it was always yeah. kind of on the list. Um, so I ended up the year after I qualified, well, starting training. I'd met you a couple of years before. And um since then it's kind of just been integrated into my world but um I work on Harley Street uh I do a good mix of hygiene and therapy work I'm involved in a lot of courses I, I'm representative for some organizations um I like to get involved I like to party as we've already covered yeah. but um yeah I just I think it's great being able to network and I think oh kind of field and stuff we're, we're really lucky to be able to do a lot of that um and you can always learn something from someone right yeah and it's quite funny you say party because that's what I say to my wife I need to network which I am networking <laughs> but you're just getting drunk or um eating as a party but indirectly but I said the, the best conversation the best people I've met is outside lectures outside work where a bit more relaxed you get to know them um so no I'm definitely on sure. your on your side <laughs> net, net, we call it networking we'll call it party so you said obviously you do hygiene therapy facial therapy. what's in terms of the mix how, what percentage do you do hygiene therapy compared to facial aesthetics I'd say um so I still see myself as quite a novice in facial aesthetics I mean I haven't done it for that many years compared to I'd say that you're one of our trainers <laughs> I know I know but it's like it, you see people that have been doing it for so long I would never call myself an expert or um like the best of the best I always think you can improve yeah. full stop which is why I'm I'm a bit of a course junkie I do courses all the time as yeah. soon as I stop it's like what's the next one let's let's go on let's learn some more or improve a skill in some area um and I think it's funny because people always come up to you and they're like oh you know so much or you're so good at teaching or how do you know like why do you get this all the information and I'm like well yeah. I go like to these events or I'll go on the courses and I'll meet the people I hang out with the people and you just you end up picking up skills and I've teaching for me has always been an easy thing I love sharing knowledge with people um and it's I find it quite easy and natural because you just tell them what you're doing and they tend to pick it up um and I guess I would say I'm quite a personable person I can speak to most people there's not a lot of people that I don't get on with yeah. um so yeah I mean 
I, I wouldn't call myself an expert, but it's it's building um, the facial aesthetics into my day to day. Obviously, my day job is being a therapist. So that's how I trained. That's where I started. The mix is kind of, I would still say majority of my daily work is therapy, but the aesthetic stuff, obviously, I'm teaching with you. Um, so we do that. I pretty much tag on majority of my aesthetic stuff to the end of the day, but I try and get like one day a month in where I can just say, right, that's the day, get everyone in, see everyone and then, and then roll with it again. But um, it kind of fluctuates, you know, especially when people are coming back for like the recalls or, or reviews, you kind of have a period where it's really busy and then it might go dead for a little while and then it builds back up again. And you're like, Oh, where have all these people come from? But you were seeing them before and then they're ready for their top ups or they want to come and see you again because they want another treatment. So um, it kind of fluctuates, but I'd, I'd still say majority of my day job is definitely therapy. Um, but it's just keeping your hand in everything else and, and keeping on top of CPD and stuff like that. So you don't lose, um, skills and, and knowledge from any sort of area really yeah and I'm similar to you of course junkie I'm always looking <laughs> and also may non-clinical or non-dental or non um like personal development leadership marketing business you can learn from anyone and everyone there and you touched on point teaching yep yeah, I'm sure we've all been to those lecturers that they are the fountain of knowledge but they're so boring they don't they can't yeah transfer that knowledge so I think you underplayed yourself in terms of yeah you need the knowledge but you need to be able to transfer that back so the value yeah. can implement yeah has that come naturally to you or have you learned that aspect of teaching I think it's always come naturally to me because I don't really have an issue with talking to people it's just a, for me it's a normal thing okay sometimes you might go out and it might be a bit overwhelming there's loads of people there don't get me wrong social anxiety comes up now and then especially if you're going somewhere by yourself yeah. um but I think that's when I learn the most stuff and that's when I meet the best people when you're by yourself in a room of people that you don't know you end up being kind of forced to end up speaking with someone and I think even with um level seven and training with you it, we started by ourselves there was no one else in my group it was just me we trained together and I learned the most because it was kind of one-on-one -on -one most of the time yeah. um and I just think as long as you can speak to people and have a conversation, all, all I see when I'm teaching people is having a conversation. Yeah. I think even with patients in clinic, when you're trying to speak to someone, all right, I might not be teaching them, but I'm trying to impart knowledge and get them on board with the way that I'm thinking. So the way you speak to people in clinic, you just transfer it into teaching and, and people tend to respect that and they respond to it because they're enjoying having the interaction it's not so much I'm lecturing you or I'm telling you that this is what you have to do it's having a conversation perfect and yeah you touched on point I actually force myself to go by myself when I go to events because people say oh can I come with you but then they tend to tag along with you and you're stuck with them actually I make sure I'm by myself so I have to talk to new people yeah. And probably I've got no friends either as well. So <laughs> that's yeah. not true. I'll be your yeah. friend. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true because that's what I noticed when we did the level seven training together. Obviously, I think I was quite the two C's to succeed. One is obviously the clinical component, and the second C, you're probably wondering what the C second C is, is <laughs> communication. Yeah, it's how you talk to patients that because mm. yeah, you could be the best clinician, but 
if you're rude, abrupt, or got ego, you're not going to get the patients converting or coming back. No. No. And do you find that in Harley, because obviously working in Harley Street, do you find you have to up your communication game because of the demand of the patients and the type of patients you get? Do you know what? I think it varies. We're in a bit of a strange clinic where it's <laughs> been developed from like NHS, um, a very academic based patient base that are now slightly older to you do get the Harley Street patient that high demand wants this this and that they know what they want if it's not right there's going to be a problem and it's like okay those people there's a different way of communicating with everyone and I mean the age base again of our practice is sort of from we, we don't really have many children but kind of 18 plus yeah. the whole way through so there's again you're changing your tact every different patient that you see I mean you might get the cabbie from down the road he'll come in and you'll have a bit of banter and you have a bit of laugh and then you'll get someone who's a little bit more proper and academic and they don't really want the banter they just want a nice polite hi how are you little bit of a chit chat and then you get on with what you want to do so it's just adapting to different people but we do yeah you get the odd one that's high demand what wants the high high end results and things like that that you have to then kind of prepare yourself like how are we going to manage this person and their expectations and and get them on board with what we think is best for them without them being upset with the end result essentially so it's again really good on communication for those ones <laughs> and we're probably getting a lot of young dentists or people starting face aesthetics and let's say they they have that aspiration they want to open a clinic or hire a room in Harley Street what advice would you give them if they were looking at Harley Street because I know it's probably the most densely populated dentists and clinicians facial aesthetics in one street but if someone was going to say want to do Harley Street don't know why but if they did <laughs> what, what advice would you give them um since you qualified you've been in Harley Street yeah basically um May 2018 I started there so I've been there ever since um I I don't really like to go anywhere else (laughs) I have my home when I stay there was it quite daunting (laughs) when you first started in Harley Street or did you have ideas what it's going to be like no I I mean for me uh, Harley Street to me has always been a name um and it's always been like that's where I'm gonna work I've always said that throughout my career. That's where I'm going to work. Um, and I mean, I started nursing in 2011. Um, and very quickly, once I was in the dental world, I was like, that's the place you're supposed to be. That's where I want to be. Yeah. And I don't think that's necessarily true in all aspects of careers and things like that. I mean, I know people that do very, very well in the sticks where, where you don't expect people to be. Um, I don't that's think. Mixed. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we do great um but yeah I I, it comes down to a bit of it it is a name but around the world it is a name and if you turn around to someone and go I trained here and I work in Harley Street they're like oh that's really cool like and they have that preconception of oh you have the high-end patients the high-demand patients how stressful is it well actually in where I work it's not that high-end thing all the time we have a good mix um but for people trying to start out there yes I mean you're going to be stressed you're going to be wondering who's going to come through the door and 
as I say, the the street has a name for a reason and people see it as that's the place to go when they want treatments. So when they turn up, they expect a level of service. They expect you to know what you're talking about. They expect treatments to go right. If you, something goes wrong, which unfortunately we're all human, things can go wrong. Um, you have to be prepared to deal with that kind of stuff and patient management and communication again is like really, really important in those situations. Um, but yeah, I think anyone that's looking to start out anywhere, not just Harley Street, it's you need to have your basic level of knowledge like set and constantly be improving and expect that things may go wrong and how am I going to manage those problems when they occur? Although we may want to say, oh, no, everything's peachy and we're all good and nothing ever goes wrong for me. Um, the reality yeah. is, if you look at social media, no one, all the dentists never make a mistake. Exactly, right? But the reality is, things go wrong on a daily basis, and it could be the most stupid thing. I mean, we had one the other day where someone sent an email, and the person who read it, the patient that read it, read it in a way that it wasn't meant to be read because they were stressed and tired and they had stuff going on at home. So it's turned into a complaint that we've then had to manage, and it's fine now. We've sorted it, but one thing like one word that was misconceived has turned into a problem you're constantly having to kind of put out fires in all different areas to make sure that everything stays calm and successful um and I think it's just finding the right place to be um for me I'm very fortunate um my principal in my dental practice um Dr Zila she's very generously supported me throughout me trying to build my clinic and and getting me up and running and just giving me all the support I need and all the time I need um so for me I am very fortunate in that sense and others may not be in those kind of positions so you have to kind of be by yourself or, or set up on your own and I know there's people that have done that um that I've met through BTC as well at the conferences that um there's one girl in particular she she was just about to open her clinic and it's like I'm really nervous I don't know what to do I don't know what to think and She's done really well from it. Um, I'm sure I follow her on Instagram. I've seen her posting stuff and people coming to clinic. People are bringing her gifts because she's doing such great stuff for them. Um, so it doesn't really matter where you are, in my opinion. But I do. Harley Street is where I want to be. It's my home. Okay. Um, and you mentioned um, support, and I know you belong to a couple and set up a couple of study clubs. Um, have you found those valuable and would you encourage people to join study clubs and network with other fair peers, dentists, whatever your profession is? Yeah, for sure. I mean, at the end of the day, our world and when you work in clinics can be very isolating, particularly if you are setting up your own place and you're by yourself. I take every opportunity if anyone says to me, oh, there's this study club running and it's going to be on this topic. If it's relevant to me, or even maybe slightly not relevant to me, I may still show up. I mean, I was at one last night, for goodness sake. It was after work, across the road, pop in, learn something. If you pick up one thing or you meet some people that can give you support or you can network with, unfortunately, what happens to a lot of people is they leave university and they go into their clinics and they sit in their rooms by themselves or with their nurse maybe. And if you work in a place where it's just you the assistant and the receptionist and there's no one else there who are you talking to about what you're doing or what you're trying to achieve because unfortunately they're not doing that level of work that you are you need people on your level or above your level to grow and learn and, and move forwards unless you end up stagnant and 
I think that's when people end up hating what they're doing or or hating their jobs. Again, I'm very fortunate. I don't have that. We're in a very family kind of orientated um, practice. So whenever I need something or I need help or I'm not sure, I go to them. And if I haven't got them, I've got you or I've got other people. Like my my two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> never. I would never do out of hours. Um, but no, it's just it's having people that have your back and. Uh, kind of on the same journey as you that you can relate to and and grow with um bounce ideas off yeah as you said going to study clubs courses i was shocked that i have never i go to a lot of courses in my early days after qualifying and i never saw anyone from my university yet at any course i go what do they do they just go <laughs> to work sit at home watching these centers or hopefully listening to our podcast yeah <laughs> um so you said of you, you mentioned mentors and you've helped. So what is the most important advice or lesson you got from a clinician, mentor, family member when you were starting out? I mean, you always share great advice. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Just listen to you and you'll be fine. Um, no, I think, I think it's the support of keep going and keep trying. And uh, although at start it may not work out and it may not be like smooth sailing as you said this whole instagram everyone sees these successful people and it's like oh they're doing so well why is mine not doing like that or my, why does my work not look like that well you don't know what they've been through to get to that stage in the first yeah. place and i think what people have always taught me is just stay in your lane focus on what you're doing um keep keep to what what your goals are and, and know where you're trying to get to because if you know that and you stay focused and positive on on your end result like the whole Harley Street thing I knew I wanted to be there within three months of qualifying I'm there I knew I wanted to do facial aesthetics within a year of starting the qualification apart from COVID that delayed everything I always said I'll do it in a year and everyone's like no you can't do it in a year well I did do it in a year apart from COVID I did it in I, a year I lost I my head. <laughs> but if you set yourself the task and you, you say to yourself, no, that's what I'm doing and you stick to it, in theory, you should be successful. Um, and don't get me wrong, there's bumps in the road and you'll always fall into them. But again, if you have the support network around you that can pick you up or give you a boost or give you an elbow when you're not quite on the right right yeah. road pathway and they can nudge you back to where you need to be, then that's the best way to get through um, life and business, I think. Yeah, and as you say, being really focused, having a clear intention, staying in your own lane, don't compare yourself to other people, as you mentioned, especially with social media. And one of my mentors mm -hmm. said, okay, you may, yeah, you may have a really good case, but you can only be insecure if you have to swap your 100% life with their life, have their kids, their family, et cetera. Would you, yeah, you're just looking at their best part, comparing it to your worst part. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um Bit of fun. Have you ever posted a TikTok video? No, I don't think I'm cool enough for TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I think I don't think. I mean, it'll probably take me ages. It takes me ages to do uh, the reels on Instagram. If I was yeah, to do a yeah. TikTok, I don't even know how to do one. To have be honest with you, TikTok account. I have because I was like, oh yeah, I'll start doing it and I'll use it for education and blah blah. blah. And I took the handle and I was like, I'll keep it there when I'm ready. And um, I was just actually talking to another uh, hygienist, and we said 
at the end of last year, we said, oh, in January, we'll both start and we'll start together and we'll, we'll yeah. kind of boost each other to do it. Neither of us, as far as I'm aware, have started doing any of it. Uh, so it still just sits dormant, but maybe that'll be the next uh, challenge. And the next thing I get into, you'll see me on TikTok with the facial aesthetics, trying to boost uh, boost my business that way. No, that's good. You know, I'm the same. I've not, I think I've got an account, but I've never used it. I don't think my kids will let me use it. So We'll have to do one together. <laughs> yeah, tomorrow. We'll yeah. Uh, so what's your biggest pet peeve in aesthetics facial aesthetics oh it has to be overfilled overdone uh, patients that have had i'm not saying they've had a bad experience but they haven't been guided in the right way by the person that's treating them um and obviously we know regulation wise is really poor in this sector um, and people get away with absolute murder. But I think just seeing people that uh, they think it looks good, they're, they're happy with it and they want more and more and more. The right thing to do is say no, mm. but whoever's been doing it either sees the money and goes, yeah, I'm just going to do it or they don't care or they don't understand the safety. And it gets to a point where, I think for me, when I mention to people in the clinic, um, they'll say, oh, but I've got this concern. And I'll say, oh, well, we do facial aesthetics. Like, I do facial aesthetics here. Um, these are things we could do to improve it. Oh, but I don't want to end up like those people that you see in the street. Well, actually, there's a lot of people that have aesthetics that you would never know. The, the yeah. point is you're not supposed to know. Yeah. When you see the cases like that, that's a problem. And I think it gives us such a bad name and a bad reputation that you mentioned Botox fillers, People are like, oh, no, you can't do that. Like, why would you do that to yourself? Why would you do that to your skin? And I'm like, I now, not currently today, but when I'm talking to these people, I might have Botox in my in my forehead or whatever. And I'm like, I've got, I've had it done. Are you telling me it looks that bad? And then they're like, oh, no, you look lovely. Blah, blah. It's like, okay, so if it's done right and it's done well, you can get a really good result. But when you see the girls walking around with, like, overly enhanced cheekbones or lips or stuff that's just not quite right and you can see it bulging and it's just like come on guys like I don't know how they think it looks good but obviously the whole body dysmorphia thing plays into this a lot and I think it's so important like saying no is the hardest thing but the most important thing for me in aesthetics because if you can guide someone properly and say like this is not appropriate for you why don't we look at this this could enhance in a different way and guide them then we've done our job but unfortunately everyone's not always on that page <laughs> yeah and i think as you get more experience it's easier to say no to patients when you first start mm. you think you can help everyone you've got the right intention same with you i'll get a patient a week saying they're interesting they've got thin lips they want the lips to go i don't want to look like love island and yeah that's not the result we go for but yeah it's a shame because then it puts people off facial aesthetics where mm. It can be more natural, rejuvenated results. Um, actually, I thought your pet peeve was going to be that hygiene can't become prescribers. Ah, oh, that's another one. But that's just in life in general. <laughs> Make it hard for you guys. Yeah. Um, and you touched on it, um, which leads nicely to the next question. Have you had any aesthetic treatments? Oh. We've only got Suss it, sussing me out now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um yes i've had so i have my botox done um 
and I've had my lips done a couple of times. Um, currently, I'm empty in my face, um, and I've also had skin boosters as well. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm fresh faced and ready to start again. Basically, <laughs> I, I don't trust a lot of people. Yeah. With, I don't trust a lot of people to do it, so it's always um, it's either waiting to see you or, or Tony in the clinic, or and it's not happening otherwise. <laughs> I think it's important to have because, and I tell we always tell our delegates because patients will either look at your face or ask you direct what treatments have you had. And essentially, as you know, if you've had it done yourself, you can explain to the patient, okay, this is what I've had, what I felt. That's the thing. Yeah. So they can convey, and then it's like going to a fat personal trainer that's got a McDonald's, <laughs> but <laughs> like next, you wouldn't go to that person, but. Same with aesthetics, you need to. I don't know. They they sound like my kind of trainer. <laughs> and they, yeah, I mean, they, they see that kind of stella on the other hand, and then they'd be perfect. Yeah. Um, so you know, it is important. And then you you look at the faces of some of the delegates, or or some of the older delegates, especially men, and go, I don't believe in it. Or I don't want to I go. Well, why have you come? How are you this? delivering I, it? Yeah, yeah. Right. You have to be. Able, you have to again. If you believe in the treatment and you understand what it does, all right. I'm not saying everyone has to go and men start getting massive lips or <laughs> cheeks and things like that but just knowing the sensation or what it feels like you can then turn around and go okay this is kind of what I experienced you should experience something along the same lines yeah. and all right everyone's pain th- pain threshold slightly different and they might perceive things slightly differently to what you do but having no idea of that sensation I mean that's the that's the reason I first did it because um I think I was tr- I was at one of your courses and one of the models didn't turn up and I just said okay like let's go. Who's that old like. from this wrinkled hair down turn to you? Yeah. <laughs> it was me. Um, but yeah, we tried it and it was I mean the the smallest amount that we used, but I then knew what it felt like and I knew what it felt like afterwards. I think that's the other thing. You can turn around and say, oh, it, it feels like this and it, you're going to feel a sharp scratch or whatever, but it's the afterwards that it's like oh yeah okay you might be a bit swollen a bit bruised blah blah blah, this and that and it's very basic stuff but it's actually how does it feel and and once you've had it done you can then explain that to the person um rather than being generic and saying these are the generic things that you might come across um so yeah i mean it's always worth the experience yeah and i was just thinking um you never see a tattoo artist without a tattoo true yeah so (laughs) Uh, um, what three books would you recommend to our audience this is such a hard one because so I suffer with dyslexia quite badly and I generally I don't read because it takes me forever and it's only recently that I started picking up books again um and actually it was uh rag who sent me a book and he was like read this um and it was called Overcoming Underearning. And as pretentious as that sounds about like trying to make more money, it's actually not about that. Yeah. But I sat there and I would read it on the train. And I'd just read as much as I could on the train. And I have to read things a couple of times. So I'm still almost at the end of it, but I'm still not fun with it. Um, but I've just started getting back into it. And I think that that was a great one. Um, I've started reading as well a book called Manifest by Rosie Nafusi, I think the, the author is. Um, and it's about like uh, changing seven things in your life and how to get what you want basically out, out of business and life in general. Um, so again, slow reader, but I'm getting there slowly. Um, 
And the other one, my Bible that I keep in my surgery is the BTC injectables guide, <laughs> which I keep there for, for all cases of emergencies. It's all pictures, um, not many words, so it's good for Exactly. You. So it was a quick read, right? I read that one in a day. <laughs> but um, no, I always keep that next to me because I think, again, it's a reassurance thing. I uh, barely, it doesn't get open, but it sits there. And I know like if anything came up that I was like, oh, just not quite sure about that. Or I just want to check something. I have it there, I flick it open and and there it is. Or if you want to show someone a picture, if people are coming in and they want to ask you a question, like this is kind of what happens and this is what we do. It's very easy to explain sometimes with pictures. And again, this is all comes down to learning styles, right? If, if someone's a visual learner, you can physically show them something. Um, it tends to tends to boost what what knowledge they're taking in rather than me speaking and talking at them, let's say. No, but actually, I, I know a bit biased because I wrote it, but I actually have it in my surgery <laughs> and I actually show every patient to explain what I'm going to be doing and yeah. the things, et cetera. And then I just, I always like to put again, by the way, this I wrote this book. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, this is my name. <laughs> and half 80% of them don't believe me. They think there must be another heavy singer. So <laughs> there. Okay. That's gone really quick time. Um, so thank you, Lindsay, for giving up your Fridays um so if people want to find out more information or reach out to you how can they obviously we'll put some links in the podcast episode your social media handles but um how can they find follow you or see you where you are probably every so the best place to get me is instagram um and it's at lindsay dht um and I have just opened my aesthetics page well but it is a working process so um haven't quite started posting too much on there yet but that is at lb aesthetics so um hopefully that will start showing more before and afters and a bit more educational stuff um no, i didn't know you had a yeah it's new i ha- there's nothing on it really it's just the uh, opening pages um so I'm, that's the aim this year is to start marketing a bit more because i don't market it's very easy I, a lot of my business is word of mouth and friends and family so uh the idea is to start advertising and uh getting the word out to more people about what we're doing and um kind of ed- more educational based as well i think um as much as i use my therapy page because it's been around much longer um i think isolating the aesthetic stuffs to one side it just makes yeah. it easier for patients and and people to access it so i started it i just haven't <laughs> got into it yet and you never know the tiktoks might end up on there <laughs> No, we're going to do one tomorrow. I'm going to we'll get a thick kind of shape tonight. And then we're going to hold you to it tomorrow. What's this? <laughs> we'll get dancing. Okay. All right, that's it. Thank you, Lindsay, for your time. Thank you. And um, hopefully listeners have picked up loads of advice. I've made loads of notes myself, so um, <laughs> it could be my next book. Never know. <laughs> Chat GPT, yeah? That's it. <laughs> hey, thanks a lot, Lindsay. Thank you.